This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Lisa Wysocki from Ashland City, Tennessee. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 15, episode 2477. This episode is brought to you by Stateline Tech. Good morning, horse world. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Here we can go again. And away we go. Well, happy National I Love Horses Day, everybody. That's right. It's National I Love Horses Day. Did you know that? I learned it now. That's amazing. <laughs> so apparently, I I tried to research how this got to be a day, and yeah. nobody seems to know. So I don't know how it became National I Love Horses Day, but you're supposed to celebrate by visiting a local stable for a horseback ride, which most of you can do on your own. Uh, seek a view of wild horses in a national park. Spend time riding your own horse if you have one. If you're looking to spend more time with horses, it goes on to tell you about 14 interesting equine careers that you can have, and they're all the ones you would expect, by the way. Um, and you're also supposed to post social on social media using the tag, uh, hashtag National I Love Horses Day. So there you go. That's how we're celebrating today. Fabulous. And I know Jennifer was out driving my pony already this morning, so she's celebrating by by helping my pony out, and he needed he needed some exercise. And the problem is here in Florida, it is literally ninety six to one hundred degrees every day now with a thousand percent humidity. So you have to get it done by nine o'clock, or you're not. <laughs> you're, not you're gonna die. It's not happening. <laughs> yeah, it's just not happening. Yeah. Le- Lisa's here filling in for Jamie because she had to close on her house today. Yes, she's been living in it for a while, but apparently. They just didn't sign the papers yet. So uh, the only time they could do that was this morning. So congratulations to Jamie and Chad. They are now own the house they live in, which is that's good. Fabulous. Yeah, that's it's it. a beautiful house. I saw the thing on, on the Facebook page, the little tour that she did. Yeah, it's, she doesn't whine as much about the house anymore. The old, that old yeah. look, little icky house she was living in, she was whining about every day. But yeah. we, we haven't heard any whining about that. No, this is this is a beautiful home. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a really nice house. So yeah. congratulations to them. I'm glad they, they got that ironed out. And we are all, as listeners of Jamie, happy that she got her new house because, uh, yes. yeah, <laughs> we're, just, <laughs> we're just all happy about that. So thank you, Lisa, for filling in. We appreciate it. And, and of course, Lisa is the host of the award-winning Horse Nutrition Podcast. So Yay. that's where you find her and also an author of about a thousand books. Um, <laughs> on today's show, Dr. Masella of the University of Florida talks to us about the science of fly spray. She was supposed to be here last week, but had got called away. Uh, and I confirmed, I just texted, she's, she's good to go this morning. So we are going to talk about fly spray scientifically and find out, hopefully, if there's anything that works. And... I mean, that's the one conversation you see over and over and over again on, on from horse people on Facebook. Yes. What fly spray works for you? Nothing works for me. Yeah. And it seems to yeah. be somewhat regional, too, I think. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure the flies have, have their own little, you know, regional genetic thing. And so many people are making their own fly sprays uh, these days, too. It's, uh, I don't know, it, nothing seems to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what she has to say. And yes. we have some lists for you on Crappy List Wednesday coming up, so we're going to have some fun with that. But first, the you if you all remember, we talked about when he was doing it, Colonel Tom Moore is from England. He's a World War II vet, or World War II vet and he wanted to raise money for the medical community over there in England during the heart of their coronavirus thing. And he he's, I mean, he's like 100 years old, but he was 99, I think, at that time. So what he wanted to do was he was just going to hike with his walker in his backyard 
back and forth in his garden, and he wanted to raise a thousand pounds. Well, it took off, went crazy. He kept walking and walking and walking, and like for a week instead of an hour or two that he was going to do. And I mean, he's got a walker. <laughs> this guy's a hundred years old. <laughs> he's a World War II vet, and he ended up raising twenty or thirty-two million pounds. In I just can't imagine I that. I just can't imagine. And I think, <laughs> did I see some video of him just kind of walking back and yep. forth maybe? Yeah. That's all he did. Walk back and forth in his yard. <laughs> his oh, patio. I just, I, I don't know. I could, if I could raise 32 million pounds just walking <laughs> yeah. back and forth in my yard. First of all, you'd lose weight and raise money. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah. So well, good for him. Yeah. He raised it from the National Health Service over there. Well, something really cool is going to happen now. And the queen has kind of been sequestered. They've been hiding her in a closet in a castle someplace so she doesn't yep. get sick. Well, she's coming out of the closet and she's going to knight him on Friday. Really? So we have the 94-year-old queen who, if you remember right, served in the civil service yes. in World War II. Uh, she was a mechanic. You remember? She was a mechanic on trucks that. and stuff. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. So she served in the civil service at home in England and now will be knighting uh, uh, Colonel Tom Moore for his service to the National Health Service and all the money he raised. And this is going to be the first thing that she has done since uh, since she's been in, in sequester. <laughs> so That is awesome. So, so now do they call him Colonel Sir Tom? Or Sir Sir Colonel Tom? I don't know. I don't know. know. (laughs) Or just Sir Tom? I don't know. But this, uh, she was in Edinburgh for a while, I guess, in June and July. She usually makes her trip up there. But they're going to do this at Windsor, so she must be back at Windsor now. And she's going to use her dad's uh, sword. So uh, that was a a big thing, apparently, in which sword she uses. Uh, And her, you know, King George the Sixth. And she'll present Colonel Tom with the insignia of the Knight Bachelor. So I just thought that was cool. Oh, I love that story. I love that story. You're never too old to make a difference, you know? And they asked asked him what he was going to say to the Queen, and he said, well, obviously conversations with the Queen will be private, but I will say say thank you, Queen. So... You know what? He's 100 years old. He can say whatever he wants, pretty much. He can, yes. So, yes. <laughs> so good for you, Sir Tom. All yes. right. And it's good to have the queen back out of hiding again. All right. Let's uh, do some Daily Witties. Happy birthday to Nan Resch, one of our terrific auditors, and we wish you the happiest of birthdays. Only one today, which is unusual, but uh, uh, we, the more and more auditors we get, the less and less days I have with none or one. We get multiple, so keep that in mind. If you want to become an auditor, just head on over to horseradionetwork.com on the right side of the page for as little as $3 a month. You too can join the party. Yay! Well, Glenn, my daily whinny involves a little bit of a story, but I'll, I'll condense it down. You know, uh, I've been in Minnesota the past few weeks, and yesterday I drove back from Minnesota back to Tennessee, and I'm having a fabulous trip, and I'm almost home. I'm about an hour away, and the freeway gets shut down, and I don't know of if it's an accident. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, you're just like... <laughs> Where do you go? So it's dark and um, uh, about half the, well, about two thirds of the vehicles were were routed off the freeway and going north and they routed me south. My phone just said, turn right. I'm going, okay, I'm going to go south, thinking that I was actually going southeast anyway. I was going to take a little back road or whatever. So um, the first place I was supposed to turn, there there was a a car in the ditch. And um, so the police were waving us forward. And the second place, uh, the second road, uh, there was a car in front of me. It turned left and my iPhone. Now you'll, you'll love this, Glenn, because this is an iPhone story. <laughs> the iPhone said, turn left. I'm going, okay, turn left. So all of the trucks and about 99% of the other cars kept going straight. So this car in front of me, which I later found was a gray PT cruiser, um, went in front of me. And so this road is, I don't know, maybe two feet wide and there are no, <laughs> there are no lines on, on the side of the road and it's dark. And I'm of an age that, you know, if there aren't any lines on the side of the road, I'm going to have a little difficulty. Well, not seeing. to mention you've just been driving for 14 hours. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm like, where's the road? And, and you know, there's ditches and trees. And, and did I mention it's raining? Oh, so, that's even better. 
<laughs> so every two tenths, three tenths of a mile, my iPhone is going, turn less left on Old Lost Souls Road. <laughs> you know, <laughs> turn right on East. Did you hear east, the banjo music playing? Oh yeah, yeah. East East Hollow Road. This is something out of no, one of your books. <laughs> and this car is in front of me, and I'm so grateful to this car because I'm watching the taillights, which is keeping me out of the ditch. And so we go from this narrow two foot wide road to a pay, to a gravel road and I'm going okay well maybe I can see the gravel a little better because it's lighter and then so then it starts twisting and turning and my iPhone says cross the creek and I'm going okay there's no bridge to cross the creek so we're just <laughs> driving through up to the hubcaps and water driving through and then it says turn turn right on east high east highway or east 172nd Street. So we turn east, and I swear, Glenn, I'm driving over grass. I'm driving through somebody's <laughs> field road. <laughs> and, and, and this is so the whole thing, you know, left and right and up and down. And I'm thinking, I am never going to get out of here. And I'm thinking of the show this morning. And I'm thinking, Glenn's not going to know where to find me. I'm going to be wrapped <laughs> around somebody's tree with cows <laughs> mooing next to me. I'm going to have to wait till morning. And so finally, we get back to civilization. And I find that this car was this, you know, this gray PT Cruiser. And I'm so thankful to them. I know that I will never know who it was. And I, I they will never listen to this show, probably. But I am so grateful to them that my team when he goes to them because they really saved my life. <laughs> and and my I iPhone, guess you eventually got home. I eventually got home and it was six miles and it took us about 35 minutes to go the six miles. <laughs> and and I, I I was so mad at my iPhone, I really considered throwing it out the window. I mean, I was so <laughs> mad. And the reason <laughs> she said, I'm going to love that story, is we've been doing recordings now with interviews with uh, guests for, what, 12 years? We've had 11,000 guests, literally. And the ones that have iPhones have the crappiest sound. iPhones <laughs> are the crappiest sounding phones. They might be great computers, apparently aren't much good in the navigation department either, Obviously especially in not. rural areas. <laughs> Obviously not. It was horrible. <laughs> so... Anyway, I'm glad you got home. I mean, I was hearing banjo music playing there for a while. Yeah, yeah I was too. <laughs> hey, you know what I started doing? Uh, we've, we're we're going to get to our guest here in a second, but uh, I've never done this before in my life. Never, ever have I done this before in my life. Yeah. But I was kind of feeling old and like lumpy, you know, so <laughs> and less flexible as I'm getting older, almost 60 now. So I actually found this beginner yoga thing on YouTube and I said, I'm going to start doing yoga. So I did last week, and I have never been as sore in my entire life as <laughs> it looks so easy yoga. You just, you know, you do these poses and you stretch a little and what could be, yeah. what could cause that much pain? Apparently right. yoga. Oh my God. You yoga yeah. people that are real yoga people, I admire you now because, whew. <laughs> it's, it's tough. I went to a Pilates class about, I don't know, four or five months ago. And I, I went to a class. <laughs> Never went back. <laughs> well, seriously, the, the real reason was it was scheduling, and and it just didn't. Oh, and then uh, here in National City, there's not a lot of Pilates classes convenient, and the time just didn't really work out. But holy cow, I have, I, like you, I have so much respect for 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 that type of exercise. I do want to do more because I think it's really good to do. Well, I can, I will honestly say I I have kept it up. I do it like every second day. I can't do it every day. I die, um, and I'm very out of shape. So you know that I'm trying not to kill myself in the first week. <laughs> but it's it's actually a pretty good. Uh, a pretty good YouTube video where she it's basically uh, beginning yoga for old fat people. Oh, can you, know, you post like a link at like in the auditor's room or something? Yeah, I'll post a link. Uh, uh, I'll post a link to it uh, or I'll put, I'll put it on the horses in the morning Facebook page. Okay, the one I'm doing and it's like 15 minutes and she's very good about explaining, you know, don't make it hurt and all of that stuff. So this is truly for beginners who have never done yoga again or before. <laughs> so I'll, I'll post a link to it, but yeah, I mean, I you know, I I just didn't know that many muscles got sore. <laughs> <laughs> you learn something new every day, Glenn. <laughs> you know, I've been riding my bike and doing all that, but uh, that's not the same. It's not the same at all. Uh, no. So now I ride my bike every other day, and I do yoga the other days, and I figure you know that's just going to help me. But uh, you know, the pain uh, the pain was real. I gotta yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Other pain's real. That's flies. 
We have more yes. flies in Florida, and you have well, there's just flies everywhere. I've never been a place where they don't have flies. This is the time of year. Is it July? Yeah, it's July. Yeah. When we lived in Massachusetts, they called they were called greenheads. They're greenhead flies. They are the nastiest biting flies I have ever seen in any place we've lived in the country. And they come out for like three weeks along the coast in Massachusetts. And you basically could not go outside. You would oh. be devoured by these flies. There's a cool beach you can ride on above uh, Boston up there in the Beverly area, uh, Ipswich and all of that area up there uh, above Boston. You can go ride in this really cool beach, but nobody could do it. You can't do it in July. <laughs> so oh, basically in Massachusetts, you have two to three months that aren't snowing and miserable. Uh, <laughs> and one of those months is taken up by the greenhead flies. So it really does restrict it. We always said there's, there's like two days in July, you don't have to wear a jacket in Massachusetts. Um, but you can tell we love living there. So, <laughs> so we're going to have uh, Dr. Marcella on here in a second to talk to us about, is there any fly spray that actually works and what's the science behind it? But today's Horse Health Report is brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast, which Lisa hosts on the Horse Radio Network, award-winning, I should say. Yes, yes, very exciting. The Horse Nutrition Podcast covers topics you will love. It highlights the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given. A part of the Purina's Full Rain documentary series, you can find all of the videos and audio over at PurinaMills.com slash Full Rain to see them all. Or you can find the Horse Nutrition Podcast on our app or any podcast player. And the latest episode was all about movie horses. And I have to say, that's my, you know, we've been doing this for three years with them now. And that was been my favorite episode. Clay was just oh, terrific. Yeah. It was just so much fun just to learn the behind the scenes story about some of the horses in the movies and, and um, some of the, the actors that that they have trained to ride like Billy Crystal and and um, he really was complimentary about Tom Hanks and it was it was cool to get the inside story. Yeah, people, he trained Billy Crystal to ride. <laughs> and he said that Billy Crystal was really athletic and I I just don't see that, you know, I I guess but And he kept that but, horse from what movie was it? It did. was um um City Slickers. City Slickers, that's right. The first one. And he kept the horse. The first one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just I just love stories like that, and uh, just uh, all the all the different horses and the the people that he's worked with, and and uh, it was just and, and going back because he's second generation, actually third generation, um, you know, because his dad. And all right, let's, it. let's get Dr. Marcella on here, and she is yeah. with the University of Florida. She's a professor there, in the Department of Small Animal and Clinical Sciences. <laughs> Hello, Dr. Marcella, are you there? Yes. Hi. How are you? Good. You have Glenn and Lisa on here. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dr. Marcella, you are just um, so exciting for us to talk to today because this is fly season and, and we need some help with some fly spray or some fly science. And you are absolutely the person to do this. You'll get so many different answers if you talk to different people about, you know, what kind of fly spray they use or they should use. And I just feel like we're going to the source here. Okay. I, I hope I can be helpful. I'm, I'm sure you can. <laughs> tell us, tell us first about, um, about fly spray. What, what in fly spray is supposed to make it work? And I say supposed to, because a lot of times it doesn't seem to. Right. So it depends, first of all, the flies that you're trying to repel or kill. Um, some are very... Do, hey, hold on one second. Dr. Marcella, are you talking directly into the phone, not on a speaker? Cause I am talking on a speaker phone. Can we um, talk directly? It's very yeah. hard to understand you, actually. How about now? That's better. Okay, thank yeah. you. All right, go okay. ahead. Start that over. So it depends... In terms of the fly sprays, one um, issue is what kind of flies you're trying to eliminate or get rid of. And the other issue is what I honestly feel is a misrepresentation of the efficacy of products. So I'll start with that. Okay. There are many, there are many products that are over-the-counter that horse owners select based on what it says on the bottle. So if something says it kills and repels for up to X number of days, it makes it sound like a long-lasting repellent. Um, there are many that are actually not repellent, and that definitely they will not last depending where you are. I'm, I'm speaking from Florida, 
where, you know, we have humidity and bugs like you cannot believe. Um, those are, I mean, at, at best, you're going to get a few hours. If you're lucky, you'll get 24 hours. But definitely, it has to be a daily thing or a twice a daily um, uh, job. So I think that when people purchase some products and they go by the label and they reapply it, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, then that in itself is recipe for failure uh, <clears throat> because they don't have the residual activity because horses sweat, because it rains, because the product doesn't stay on, or if it stays on, it stays on in a much lower percentage. And at that point, at best, it's an insecticidal, but not a repellent. So I probably I should describe the difference between an insecticide and a repellent to start with. So okay. the insecticide, I spray directly on the insect and it dies. Okay? So you could spray alcohol. You could spray on, you know, a variety of things and it would die. Repellent is what majority of allergic horses need. And to be honest, many horses, if you are in an area that has a, a bunch of bugs, because, you know, you want them to fly away. You don't want them to land on your horse. And in order to do this, uh, you need to start looking at the label. And uh, ingredients that are repellent, one is permethrin. So permethrin, not pyrethrin. So pyrethrin is a, an insecticide. Permethrin, depending on the percentage, can be a repellent. So the percentage is important. So if I take a bottle and it says 0.05 or 0.1% permethrin, it is not a repellent. It is a, an insecticide. So it does not have enough percentage to be a repellent. So you need to go more in the range of 1% to 2% in order to have that effect. Or you need to change to a synthetic derivative that can have repellent activity. So I'm going to, I start by saying I don't own stock in any company, okay? okay. <laughs> <laughs> I work, I Neither work do we, a, so we're good. <laughs> okay, good. So I work for an academic institution. Okay, so products that uh, actually do have repellent activity are Tritec and door. Those are like, if people want to go chemical, those are actual repellents. But they need to be reapplied more frequently than what it says on the bottle. At least in Florida. I speak for my, my practice, okay? So maybe in other areas you can get away with less. In Florida, it sweats, they sweat, it rains, humidity is 90%. You got to do this every day. Okay. Uh, if you want, they're not cheap. If you want to go cheaper, you can get the concentrated permethrin, which is typically 10%, and then you can dilute it down. And let's say you do 1 to 10. So one part concentrate, 10 parts, let's say, water. And if you want to add a little bit of evil skin so soft or something to kind of make it smell better, stick better, that's fine. And you make your own fly spray. So that is the chemical way. Then there is the, quote, botanical way. Although pyrethrin really come, is, is uh, from flowers originally, but that's okay. Um, if some, some horses become sensitized to pyrethrin, permethrin, and so on. So people seek alternatives. Currently, to the best of my knowledge, the best alternative is neem oil. Neem oil uh, is uh, contained in a product that's called Equiderma, and that has a mix of other botanical ingredients, and it, it does uh, prove to be an actual repellent. So when I have allergic horses, 
I, and they said, oh, I stopped using the, the fly spray because the skin is so raw and it's so I'm afraid to put anything on it or it, it gets all dry and scaly. And, you know, when I put uh, chemicals, that's what I suggest. That's so what, for the whole body. What would be the percentage of, of neem oil and what would you mix it with? This is ready to use. Oh, I see. Okay. This yeah, this is ready to use, and uh, because the other thing that to keep in mind is the vehicle, right? So when uh, when you look at the product, any kind of topical product, the ingredient is obviously very very important, as well as what is mixed with, and this is why it does make a difference. So for some product, the residual activity, so how long they are able to actually stick to the coat. And in uh, the hair, so that that's why uh, you know I, I think that the combination of the ingredient and the vehicle of the equiderma is is a good um, solution. Uh, now, many times when people spray the horses, they do a light spray. You know, one, two pumps, you know, one on the little spread. That is typically not enough. If you have an allergic horse, you need to absolutely cover everybody area and you need to be generous. So you end up going through a lot of product, right? Because you're not just doing a couple spreads. And then the part that is typically missed, of course, is the face. So many... I'm talk- now I'm, I'm, when I start talking about specific insects, many types of noceums, the culicoides, the little flying uh, insects, they like to go around the face, the eyes, the ears, and, and so on. I personally don't use fly masks. I discourage people from using fly masks. And the reason for it is that uh, many times in the summertime, and again, I speak for Florida where it's hot and humid and so on, having a fly mask traps a tremendous amount of moisture. So it's very difficult to keep the skin clean and dry. So by the time you pull out this mask, they start having secondary bacterial and yeast infection because everything has been trapped underneath. So I prefer to use repellents on the face itself. So what are the things that I use? I use, you can get a concentrated permethrin, and one name is Equispot. You know, there, I'm sure other names, I don't mean to promote one product versus the other. I'm just talking ingredients. These are concentrated permethrin. They can have like 30, 40, 45% per meter. So very strong, right? But you apply a small amount. It's a little pipette. And you put it on the pole behind the ears because you don't want anything to drift forward. And those, you can effectively get maybe 10 days, two weeks, depending on, on the conditions, the bathing, the rain, and so on. This way, anything that flies around the face, it will go away. So that's one option. Or you can go online and get the concentrated neem oil. There is a variety of products. And, you know, typically you, you want to maybe start with a 1%. But I, I don't know of any test, uh, that, any study that has actually analyzed whether these uh, products online actually contain what they say they do. So um, I think it's, it's a little bit of a trial and error, but that is an alternative, you know, for horses that are sensitive to the permethrin. Okay. And I got uh, to tell you, uh, Dr. Marcella, that you mentioned Equiderma, and they are a sponsor of ours. Uh, and the neem and aloe herbal uh, fly insect repellent spray is really good. We we do like yes. that too. Yeah, <clears throat> and we live in Florida too, as you know, in Ocala, and it's uh, 
and the other thing is mosquitoes. And I found that mosquitoes, some you know, some fly sprays don't help with mosquitoes. It, it you know, they might help with flies, but then you get eaten alive with mosquitoes. Uh, is, yeah. is am I making that up? No, I think that uh, uh, insects, just like bacteria, become resistant. So whatever they are being exposed to the most, they tend to become resistant. So if the percentage that you're using is lower, they can survive. That's why sometimes it's necessary to go with higher percentage to override the decreased sensitivity. Now, the neem oil, if you go in the literature, and you can do a PubMed or Google search, they've actually done studies that neem oil is a repellent for mosquitoes. Um, another thing that I encourage people to do is to invest in a machine. It's called Mosquito Magnet. Okay? So... Again, I don't get any percentage on anything, but I speak out of my personal experience because I live on a river uh, in Florida. And so you can imagine that, you know, once you start having a lot of rain and, you know, uh, maybe a hurricane or whatever, some standing water, the river flooding and so on, it becomes mosquito heaven. (laughs) What I found is that uh, I have a couple of days, um, I own 17 horses, full disclosure, is a disease, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I have this mosquito magnet, and basically they, they come cordless, you have a propane tank, and you can put attractants, depending on what you want to attract. You know, you want to attract primarily, I don't know, mosquitoes, mosquitoes, whatever it is that you wish to eliminate. And uh, between the CO2 produced uh, by the machine and the uh, attractant, you put it in vicinity of, let's say, the area that you want to clear. Not quite there, but close enough so that it pulls the insects away from the area that you're attempting to clear. So I typically put in vicinity of, let's say, a, a gate or a paddock or so on, and it clears about one acre. And, you know, wow. depending on the, yeah, so depending on the uh, amount of bugs that you have, then, of course, you need to uh, clean the bag and, and so on. But Although it may not completely eliminate, it dramatically decreases on the overall load so that you can work better. You know, you can kind of make a dent with other strategies using insect growth regulators and things like this to basically disrupt the the cycle, you know, of of the mosquitoes. That's interesting, and I I just found that it is called the mosquito magnet, and it's mosquitomagnet dot com. Now they aren't cheap. You're going to have to want to get rid of your mosquitoes because um, <laughs> yeah. they're not inexpensive. Yeah. But I like the idea of gassing them to death too, or or frying them. Either way works for me. Yeah, uh, if you can stop producing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with now, either one. <laughs> yeah, now, Doctor, I've um, found a mosquito recipe, if you'll call it that, on on the internet. The, radio person, Paul Harvey, had put it out over Facebook or somebody had put it out over Facebook. And I've I've been using it, but I want to make sure it's not uh, harmful to my horses. And it's basically, it's 16 ounces of blue mouthwash and a cup of Epsom salts and then 16 ounces of cheap, stale beer. And you mix (laughs) it all together. You're going to smell like New Orleans after you put (laughs) that on. You smell a bit like a brewery, but (laughs) there's a downside to it. Add some puke smell to it. You do have New Orleans. <laughs> but I, I wow. it works. It does seem to work. And and we can spray like our grooming area and the mosquitoes stay away for a couple of days. And I just I, I just wanted to get your take on something like that because I, I don't want to do anything obviously that hurts the horses. But or, or is there something in there that that is the mosquitoes really don't like? Well, I mean, I actually, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thinking. First thing that comes to my mind is like, who came up with that? Yeah. I mean, this must, have been, must have been an accident. It must have truly been an alcoholic who came up with it. That's <laughs> and then I kind of like a, 
attempted to clear his mouth and then realized that the bugs just went away. <laughs> so it, it, it turned into a scientific recipe. So, um, so I think that stannous fluoride, which is the main ing- ingredient of many of these mouth products from toothpaste and so on, and, you know, Listerine, those are, I, I, they're demonstrated antimicrobial. Uh, possibly they may also have a, a, an insecticidal uh, activity. Uh, I have not come across any study on that, so I, 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 I am very willing to give it a try. If it doesn't work, you can drink I the beer. <laughs> I don't have personal experience with this, so I'm, I'm not sure what to say. I, I would have to, I would have to investigate. Yes. <laughs> my only experience with it, as I said, we've been working it, but working with it. But my only uh, advice is that the beer does need to be stale; otherwise, it foams up and kind of explodes. So you've got to kind of oh, open the beer that can. That would be too. And- <laughs> <laughs> wow! So and let me some fermentation. Oh, yeah. some some acid, right? Yeah. And uh, so that that actually that it does make sense. Um, that is a, is, a, is a product of fermentation. Um, yeah, I mean, and to be honest, many, many products, even the ones that uh, have extracts from coconut oil and others, they are a combination of acids, of course, presented in a much more uh, appealing way. But basically, the, the concept is, is the same. And uh, we do know they're antimicrobial, and uh, I, I suspect I will have to do a search and get back to you on that one. Okay. And maybe somebody uh, did also a study, you know, and, and see the repellent activity. Either that uh, or they get one. drunk and crash. You know, that's... <laughs> maybe. They, they cannot go very far. Um, there is um, one other product... Uh, an ingredient is picaridine, P-I-C-A-R-I-D-I-N, and I, the the exact uh, commercial product escapes me, but it's only one, and it's a product that is labeled for both people and horses, and uh, it's very cosmetically pleasing, and uh, it, it would work for about eight hours, so. Uh, something that maybe people can have in their trailer. Let's say you go on a trail ride uh, and you want something that it, it could help you and the horse and it doesn't really smell like a chemical at all. Um, and uh, so uh, maybe you guys can Google and see what, what the, the commercial name is. But it is effective. And uh, the the difference with this product is also the, the, the delivery. So rather than having like a pump, like a majority of sprays, that eventually you have a sense of fatigue, uh, it kind of loads up and then, you, uh, and then it will spontaneously release. So all you have to do is just move around to, uh, to the area that you want to cover. Um, and that again is an alternative for uh, horses that have become sensitized to one product versus the other. Um, well, so. uh, doctor, this has been so fascinating. I could talk to you for like a day and just pick your brain. And I thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this knowledge with us. And I'm sure that you'll be back. Um, I'm sure that you have, uh, other things that we can talk about, but, um, uh, Time just doesn't allow us to keep going forever. But thank you so much for coming on. And um, thank you for all these good tips because I was taking notes while you were talking. And so I've got all these new things I'm really excited to try. Next time we talk, I will be prepared on answering the question about the beer. Okay. okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my commitment to you. Okay. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Rosella. Have a great day. Okay. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. So, she, so she's actually right up the street from us. She's not too far. We were up in Gainesville uh, over the weekend and uh, went up riding bike and had a little picnic up there. So we were right at the college, actually. Really? Yeah, University oh, of Florida is nice. right there. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, This health segment was brought to you by the Horse Nutrition Podcast on the Horse Radio Network. Now in their third season, each show highlights some of the world's most extraordinary horses, how they're trained, and what kind of nutrition they're given to help fuel their performances. And of course, as we mentioned, Lisa is the host of that. Uh, And episodes this year include training Hollywood movie horses, therapy horses, uh, horses helping veterans. We just, the next one coming out is going to be on vaulting. And we've talked charro horsemanship. It's been a a fun year this year. You can find all of the Purina's Full Rain documentary series. Go to purinamills.com slash full rain to see all the films, interviews, and podcasts. And of course, this show on a Wednesday, as always, is brought to you by Stateline Tech. And let's head over there right now, Lisa, and see what they have going on at the website. So at Stateline Tech, guess what is the big banner right in the middle of the page? Oh, fight flies. Fight flies. That's <laughs> and they still have so the offer of 30% off orders over $129. Yeah. Yeah, it's, still there. it's amazing. Yeah, I don't know how they do that. But okay, yeah. so when you go to Fight Flies, the other, it's interesting to her say that she didn't like fly masks. I thought so too, but it makes sense. And and one thing I wanted to ask her, and we just ran out of time, but we have a, a horse who get who loses the hair on her face, and we've tried everything. The best thing we've been able to find is flaxseed oil. Oh, but yeah. now I'm thinking she's got too much moisture under that fly mask. Uh, so I'm going to go out to the barn and pull that thing off, and just you know make sure she has more um, more repellent, and see if that doesn't work. Well, if you need a fly sheet, I know a lot of people use fly sheets as well, uh, and they have all of them that you can imagine, the Rambo ones and the Amigo ones and uh, horseware ones all over on sale right now, up to 36% off on the Stateline Tech website. So if you're in the middle of fl- fly sheet season and yours has been torn to shreds, which happens occasionally. Frequently. Yes. <laughs> More occasionally than we would like. Uh, Yeah, yeah, the better one, with sheets and blankets, I don't know about you, but with sheets and blankets, I have found in 30 years of doing this that you get what you pay for. You buy a cheap one, you're going to get a cheap one, and it's not going to last. You go for the horseware, and you go for the Rambos and and the little bit more expensive ones, they're going to last multiple seasons rather than just one season. Yeah, and you know what I've found, too, is that the cheaper brands, they don't fit your horse. No matter what horse you put it on, they don't really fit, 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 fit. And, and these do fit. They, and I think part of the reason they get torn up is because they don't fit. And so they're loose and they're baggy and, and then, I don't know, they're tight in the shoulders and big in the butt and they just don't work. Yeah, and that is true. And, it, you know, it's true clothing too when you think about it. You this buy cheap, cheap clothing doesn't usually fit as well as, you know, more expensive clothing. And it's true of boots yeah. and everything else in the horse world. But you can still get that 30% off. Head over to statelinetack.com and uh, check out all the different things. I noticed they also had some Weaver Western pads on there on the homepage. You can click through that. Weaver makes terrific saddle pads. And yeah. Weaver has been, God, we started selling Weaver when we had our tack shop and, you know, 20 some years ago. Mm-hmm. And Weaver was an up and comer then, and they've kind of taken over a lot of the market. Uh, they're a terrific company and very, very, very good made, a lot of it American made products. So, yes. Uh, you can find all of the English and Western, which is one of the cool things about Stateline Tech at statelinetech.com. So uh, let's talk. Well, coming up after the show, uh, we are going to have a post show for the auditors. And we're talking, what are we talking about in the post show? I think we're talking about uh, Cat Enright and, oh, and the fifth book that's right. coming up. We're going to give yeah. a little bit of a preview here. Yeah. And, I, and so just in a, in a Reader's Digest for new listeners, uh, Lisa is the author of a series of books, and they're the Cat Enright, Enright series of books. Uh, and so kind of give a brief synopsis of what they are for new listeners. Yeah, so so Kat Enright is a horse trainer in Tennessee, and she keeps stumbling over these dead bodies. She has a lot of emotional baggage from her... As you do previous, in Tennessee, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, it just happens. <laughs> and she's got this eclectic, crazy group of, of people that she has collected that she kind of calls family. There's a hunky country music star and a juvenile delinquent and and a lady who is 70 years old and a former cheerleader and still kind of thinks she's a cheerleader and uh, and a possibly psychic horse. And uh, they're just fun, cozy mysteries. Um, they've been optioned for film and television. And I know I keep saying that, but I keep my fingers crossed. Sometimes it takes I, a while. This year kind of put all that back. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, the fifth one is coming out, and uh, we've got some of the auditors in um, uh, from uh, Horse Radio Network, and uh, Jamie and Zeus are part of the storyline. Uh, and uh, I, I, We've been in every book but the first one, right? Horses in the Morning? Everyone except the first one. Horses in the Morning has been in every book except for the first one, and, and Horses in the Morning is, is again, uh, in, in the book. Did so. you make Jamie the murderer, or do we have to wait? I can't tell oh, you. Damn. <laughs> Maybe it was Zeus. I've always, was more likely <laughs> Zeus, actually. <laughs> It'd be the Mustang that did that. <laughs> You're probably right. It's more likely yeah. Zeus. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, so, I want to hear a little bit more. Apparently, Lisa's going to just tell us a little bit more of the plot line, but that's going to be reserved for the auditors after the show. So uh, it is Crappy List Wednesday, and I have a couple of them here I wanted to talk to you about. One of them was on Horse Nation. It's the eight things equestrians probably shouldn't admit that we've done. <laughs> so, um, and you're all going to relate to these. Uh, so, and, and, you know, non-horse people would be appalled by most of these. Uh, and some of them, I think, we're doing more with COVID and travel with the horses. So... The first one they said is touched manure or manure soaked parts of the horse with our bare hands and then eaten lunch. <laughs> See, the whole wash your hands all the time thing did, has never really applied to horse people. No. No. We've no. never really been very good at that. Uh, because, you know, they just get, you'd be washing your hands all day long, right? In the barn, you'd just be washing your hands. And it's Every like, who has time for second. that? Right, exactly. right. So, right, right. Yeah. So I think that horse people really have had to learn about washing hands. Uh, yes. Either that or we're just more resistant. I don't know. Uh, you know <laughs> well, we, we could be a little stubborn, maybe. Yeah, I think COVID might have changed. I'm, I'm definitely washing my hands more than I ever have in my entire life. I, you know, oh, and, me too. I, I think we all are. And thinking about it more than I ever have. Like, when I do touch poop now, I go, well, I should wash my hands. Well, I would have never thought about that before. Yeah. <laughs> um, peed in the horse trailer or stall regularly. Yes, yeah. yes, and yes, 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 yes. That's just kind of a given. Well, now I wonder if there's more peeing in the horse trailer at horse shows than there ever has been because people don't want to go in the porta potties. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Even even when I was driving back from Minnesota yesterday, I didn't want to go into the convenience store to use the restroom. I mean, I did, but I, you know, I wished I had a horse trailer with me. <laughs> Jennifer went on Amazon and bought one of those official porta potties that actually look like a porta potty uh, that yeah. campers use that you put the blue liquid in or whatever. Right. Uh, and it has a tank and it, and it has a toilet seat and the whole thing. She bought one of those for going to horse shows now so she can put that in the back of the trailer. Oh, so, good for her. Yeah. So we, we carry our own porta potty in L. Uh, and I think more and more people are going to be doing that too. Yeah. Yeah. Because who yeah. wants to go? I mean, you never really wanted to go in, the, no. in those portable porta potties anyway. No, yeah. no, no. They're <laughs> disgusting. And for some reason at horse shows, it seems like they haven't emptied them in about 10 years. Oh, no. No, yeah. of course not. <laughs> <laughs> How about sampled our horses, hay, grain, treats, lick it, flavored bits? Yes, all, all of oh, those. Absolutely. Yeah. Jennifer all tries every treat. She never gives them to a horse unless she tries one first. See, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. And you know what? They all taste like crap. Yeah. <laughs> The horses love them. <laughs> the horse loves them. They're fabulous for the horse. But same thing with my dog. I mean, I taste her dog treats too, but, you know, she loves them. I just don't get it. But. And now, having been married, the next one really applies. Having been married to a wife who has broken every bone in her body at least once, some two or three <laughs> times, uh, gotten back on the horse despite injuries that most definitely required emergency medical attention. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. uh, and her statement was the arm's broken. I know it's broken. I'll get to the hospital after I fix this issue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and how many of us ride with casts or other things? You know. Oh yeah, um, she would be up the next day. It was yeah. you know that an arm cast never stopped her. Legs no. are a little different. That's tougher. I don't uh, know. I've I've ridden in leg casts. Just forget the stirrups. Just. Just get on the horse. <laughs> <laughs> the one that's tough uh, that you really does put you down is broken ribs. That one is yes. tough. That one you you're not riding for a while. <laughs> you can't breathe. No, and it's kind of hard to ride. You, you can't, can't move. Breathe. You can't breathe. You don't even want to lay. You just uh, no. you don't want to really do anything. You don't want to exist with broken ribs. No, not that no. first week is tough with broken ribs. It's very tough. Yeah, I, I told the story before. So when we had our first farm. It was about 100 acres back in the middle of nowhere. And I had probably met her two or three years we had been in, into the relationship. So um, we weren't even married yet. And I was coming out to the farm, and 
I, I, I know what it was. I was staying over because my job was actually pretty close. So I went to work in the morning, and I came home in the evening, 5, 6 o'clock, and there she is with a cast on her arm. She, <laughs> and it was, it was my pony, actually. She was just leading the pony in. The pony knocked her over. She put her arm out, broke her arm. She finished feeding the horses in the morning, did everything she was supposed to do, drove herself to the hospital with a stick shift. <laughs> drove herself to the hospital Got oh. the arm set, put the cast on, drove home, and was doing the barn when I got home that, that night. So two things come to mind. One is, how did she drive with a broken arm? I think shift? the leg was involved. I think the leg uh-huh. steering was involved. Yep. And, and then the other thing is, what is it with you and these naughty ponies? <laughs> <laughs> I think the pony just spooked at something, you know, and it just, and yeah. that was the best pony in the world. That pony never spooked at anything. But, you yeah. know, and that's the thing. It's those kind of horses that get you. Yeah. Oh, because, yeah. Because you you're, you're not prepared. Yeah. You let your guard down. This, this pony had never done anything wrong. That pony taught me to drive. We drove that pony through amusement parks, uh, parades in the middle of Philadelphia. I mean, that pony went everywhere. And yeah. yeah. How about use yeah. the main comb on ourselves? Oh, well, that's like not even worth mentioning. No. <laughs> and the show sheen. And the yeah. show sheen, yeah. Done that. Yeah. <laughs> Administered butanamine and any other equine drug to ourselves. Uh, not, I'm not recommending that, though. I got really to say that I don't recommend that. I know you all I have done, done it. I have done that um, decades ago. I wouldn't do it now. But when I was training full time, um, I had some broken bones and I was competing. And yeah, I, I wouldn't do it again. And I know you've been without a place to sleep a couple times at your farm out there for various yes. uh, weather-related reasons. Yes. So have you ever done the next one, showered in the wash stall with the horse shampoo? Well, I will say this. We don't have a wash stall, but I have showered uh, with the end of the hose uh, with the horse shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> And you can catch that one on YouTube. Just search Lisa Waisaki Shower. <laughs> <laughs> the neighbor got that one. Well, here's, here's a little funny story. So I, I had a, a swimming suit on, and the swimming suit was kind of beige colored. And we are on the flyover path to Fort Campbell, the 101st Airborne. And so the helicopters <laughs> come over. And I was out there in my bathing suit with the horse shampoo and the hose one afternoon. And all of a sudden after that, the, the helicopters started coming a lot closer. Uh, they were flying a lot lower, and I think they did, thought I didn't have anything on. And <laughs> so they're trying to find uh, find the naked lady who's doing the, the shower thing outside. <laughs> they must love that job when they just get yeah. to fly around and check out backyards. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> and then the last one is actually enjoyed cleaning its sheath. Now, that would be Jamie. We hire somebody. We have the professional sheath cleaning lady comes out. Uh, and Jennifer doesn't even do it. <laughs> I mean, she has, and she does, you know, she has done it. But, you know, for 40 bucks, it's worth having it done by somebody else. What do you say on your job? Your job? Her we, card we, says professional sheath cleaner, and that's what she does. She's a, And she's also a massage person, but she does clean sheath. That's what she does. That's her okay. main job. Okay. Yeah. We've had her on the show before. She's quite delightful. I'm sure she yeah. is. I'm not sure she's married. She might be gay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding about that. Oh, gee. She's probably married. I don't know. <laughs> uh, all complaints and anything that I say wrong can be addressed to Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com, and she will dispose of them before I even see them. Just saying. <laughs> hey, there were a couple news stories, too, that we're going to end the show with. Uh, and they were racing stories because we do have some more of the Triple Crown coming up. But... Uh, one of the things that surprised us during this whole COVID thing, if you remember right, we even talked about it. At the beginning of COVID, we thought, well, a lot of people are getting laid off, and there are a lot of people laid off, that people would stop spending money. It's been just the opposite. Yeah. Uh, people have been spending more money and buying stuff and bu- getting horses and horse adoption agencies and dog adoption agencies don't have any right now. Yeah. Cause they're, and that's terrific. That's absolutely wonderful. And I'm glad to see that. And the economy actually hasn't been doing as bad as we thought. Now, who knows if that's going to catch up, what, whatever. But <clears throat> racing, people have been betting on racing. Now, you can't go to the track. But Keeneland just had an unprecedented five-day summer meet. At, with a wagering of more than $63 million in five days. That's incredible. So, and again, no fans, right? So yep. all the fans are at home. So they're totaled $63,299,000 with an average daily handle of almost $13 million a day. 
Holy cow. <laughs> so they That's had... Um- they had the Toyota Bluegrass, which is their big races mm-hmm. at there at Keeneland. By the way, if you go to Lexington, Kentucky, and have never been to Keeneland, I don't know if you can do it right now, but next year, uh, yeah, go. after COVID, go. You can take tours. You can go watch them work out the horses. It is one of the most beautiful racetracks, because most racetracks are pretty crappy, to be honest. Yeah. Um, they're old, and they've not been fixed Some up. Are, and they're yeah. Cra- yeah, they're yeah. crappy. A lot of them are crappy. Um, but this one is absolutely beautiful. It's Wouldn't you agree it's one of the most beautiful in the country? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's historic, and you can take tours there, and it is just really neat. But uh, they had their Toyota Bluegrass Day, and they had $23 million bet that day. So, by the way, uh, the horse Art Collector uh, passed the one that they thought was going to win that day. It was a filly named Swiss Skydiver and won the Toyota Bluegrass and basically established himself as the favorite for the Kentucky Derby. Uh, to be run, again, remind everybody that's September 5th at Churchill Downs. So Art Collector is the name that you're going to want to look for there. And did you also see that jockeys have been getting COVID uh, more than normal across the country? Yes, yes. I, I, well, and a lot of them live in colonies. You know, yeah. they live right there at the track and they're in close contact. And even in the uh, in the starting gate, they're not social distancing there. No, not, yeah, they can't wear masks because they die. No, so, no. So the New York Racing Association has closed Saratoga Racecourse to out-of-town jockeys. So now who's ever in the colony now has to stay. If they leave Saratoga uh, and want to come back, they can't. So they cannot race outside of Saratoga. And apparently several other tracks around the country are doing that now because so many of the jockeys have been getting sick. And it is so easy for them to spread it to each other. And, you know, their locker rooms are small and, you know, it's right. just they're all in there together. Uh, so Maryland, Ohio, and a couple of other racetracks are doing that. Uh, and I didn't realize that Saratoga is also requiring anybody that comes in, jockeys, valets, media, Trainers, staff, grooms, whoever, uh, whoever's coming into the track has to have a negative COVID-19 test in order to enter the property. Wow. Now, it makes you wonder, do they have to do it every week or, you know, how Well, I was work? wondering, and, yeah. and, and, you know, I had a COVID test uh, here in Tennessee, well, a while back, but it took me 10 days to get the results back. Well, so that's I the other thing. Kind of rapid I, thing. You know, and, and, you know, I haven't heard of jockeys dying. They're, you know, some are getting pretty sick, but the, even if you don't get sick, you have to be quarantined for 14 days. And if they're yeah. quarantined for 14 days, they're not making any money. No. Yeah. They no. Don't get paid, and, and you know, so. a lot of these jocks too. They they'll travel from track to track. They might race, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday at one track, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're someplace else. So, um, this is kind of prohibiting their ability to to make some money too, because I don't think Saratoga runs every single day. You know, the quotes jockeys are an interesting crowd, though. They, you know, that's a tough life, and they've had a they they had to fright and scrape and scrap just yes. to get races when they were young, and it, you really do work your way up the. A very yes. difficult totem pole. Um, and they, the comments I saw were all, we're just glad we're racing at all. You know, so yeah. there, there were pretty positive outlooks on it. They're just glad they have a job right now and that they can ride horses, you know. Yeah. It, although they do say that it's taken some while to get, you, some time to get used to not having the fans in the stands and the noise. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, because that would be weird. Completely different take. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. And I'm sure they feed off of that, you know, some, someone. I'm, and the horses probably do, too. You know what else horses like? And that's Caballo Hoof Boots. That's right, uh, Caballo uh, Hoof Boots. Do you use them at the farm? We do at Colby's Army. Yeah, absolutely. We've got four sets and love them. Um, I love the way they fit because some other boots that we had donated, um, they kept sliding around. They actually would, like, turn, turn sideways. sideways. Though, yep, yep. Yeah, I just, I just... And then you have to stop in the middle of a lesson and adjust the boot, and it was so annoying. Or but in the, the middle of a trail boots. ride and then find oh. a stump to get back on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just not happening. Well, but I love the Cavallo we fit, use and them, they last. They last forever. We use them on Scooter. Scooter has has a full set of four, and when we go on the roads, I put, I put them on. These are a horse husband approved, by the way, because they don't have wires. They're just Velcro. They're so <laughs> simple to put on. I don't get yelled at for putting them on wrong. Not that that ever happened in the past. Um, I don't get yelled at. I get don't get in trouble. They stay on. They stay straight. And, you know, I'll take him driving. If we go out for an hour or two on the roads, he'll be driving on the road that whole time. And he will not... He will not drive on the road without his boots on. He just hates it because he doesn't have... 
He doesn't have shoes. He's never yeah. had shoes. We've never had shoes on him. And But we don't need him because I just put his boots on. And then he's fine. Right. Then he can go all right. day. He doesn't trip. So the other thing about the Cavallos, the way they're designed, you don't trip a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, once they get used to them after the first ride or two, they won't be tripping at all with them. But wow. I just love the Cavallos. We've had... In eight years that we've been driving him, uh, I've changed about once. So that's amazing. Yeah, that's uh, really amazing. I and use that's the. the other thing. They have a bunch of different boots. I think you and I both use the same. We use the Trek T R E K T R E K. They have a lot yeah. of different ones. Uh, yeah, yeah, and they well, have and, minis and too. Mini boots. They have little tiny mini boots. I've seen those. They are so yeah. cute. Yeah, they are so cute. But I, yeah, you don't want to have a blowout in your boot when you're, you know, 10 miles away from home. No. <laughs> so go to there. They have uh, sizing charts right there. You can measure your horse's feet, and you can see what size boot. They're real good. If, you, if they don't fit, you can return them. Uh, that's not a problem, but you can see all the different kinds. Uh, the only ones I have used for an extended amount of time are the treks. Those are the ones I've used. Uh, and then the cute little boot is the one for, for minis. So I don't know that anybody else makes mini boots, actually. So you want to check those out, too. And they had sent me a set to see, and it looks like you would hang them from the rearview mirror of your truck. Because <laughs> they're that small. They're tiny. Cavallo-Inc.com, or any store. Every store sells Cavallo boots. Well, that's it for today. Hang on, auditors. We will be back uh, to chat a little bit about, uh, we're going to give you a little sneak peek, maybe, at uh, whether Jamie's the murderer, although I don't think I'm going to hear that. I've been begging for that for a long time and not heard it uh, not heard anything about it but we have a couple of our auditors that are actually in the book too which is kind of cool this time yeah so we're excited about that we actually read one of your books years ago we read the first book the opium equation yeah i wonder if they'd let us read the second book yet maybe i don't know I we have would. to get permission from the publisher yeah I'll, I'll ask and see yeah ask yeah. about that because uh, yeah. i think that would be fun to, to now that the new one's coming out we should be reading the second one to get everybody all jazzed up oh yeah yeah that would be good that's a that's a horse show book too so everybody who's not going to horse shows can kind of get their show fix let us know let us know about that all right okay jamie, i will jamie did a good job reading books she did great yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with the fox hunting episode. And Tara and Jennifer will be hosting that one. And then Jamie will be back on Friday for some really bad ads. Thank you, Lisa, so much. It's lisawaisaki.com is where you can find the books, right? Yes, absolutely. And everything else you do over at lisawaisaki.com. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. 